crew, how are you guys doing today? <laughs> Good. Hey, my name is Derek Murphy, and I'm one of the guys here on the team. And today, before we get into the message, I just want to um, make note of a couple things. One is just this, this scripture passage out of Romans, and it's Romans chapter 10. I just closed my Bible to it. Romans chapter 10, and it says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. I don't know if you know this, but this month, K2 turns 17 years old. And uh, that's pretty special, right? Uh, yeah, you can give an applause to that. Um, but there would never have been a church here if it wasn't for a team coming here out of Michigan to come and preach the good news to us, right? And, and I just want to recognize the fact that we've got two guys, especially that have been on staff full-time this whole way through, uh, and Dave Nelson and Mike Rutledge, who have been pastors, bringing the word and bringing worship here on stage week in, week out for 17 years so that people could hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you get a chance this week, because uh, it's just always a rush, right? It's always busy. But to send either of them or any of the other pastors who have touched your heart, just a thank you message, uh, dnelson at k2thechurch.com or mrutledge at k2thechurch.com, or you can just put it, if you're watching right now, on Facebook into the comments or onto the church online into the comments. What did they do to touch your heart in the last 17 years? I know as a pastor myself, it's sometimes you get more like of the hard things to deal with week in and week out, and it's nice to get a pleasant note. So, And, and if you're wondering... Uh, neither of these guys would ever have done this. I didn't get their permission. And so I'm more likely to get reprimanded for calling them out than I am to get praised for it. So uh, just say thank you. And, and uh, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, by the way. So say thank you for the work that they have done in your life. And so today I'm just want to move into the, the message, which comes out of uh, the series we're doing called COVID-19 Lessons Learned. So I just want to say welcome here. If you're online, welcome. Um, just want to uh, tie into what John said earlier. You actually have the ability to share the message right now on whatever platform you're watching online. So if you want to share it out, start a watch party, you can actually get this message spread out to all your friends network right now. Now, John said, just like it today. Well, that's great. You can like it today, but you can also share it today. If that's been put on your heart, we'd love for more of your friends and family to get to hear the message of Jesus in their life. So uh, the, the COVID-19 lesson learned for today is thank God for Zoom, which, by the way, when we were doing run-through and I said that, we got kind of this groan. That they, uh, like, it's, it's a love-hate relationship that we all have with Zoom, right? But the, the lesson learned is that we really need each other. We need each other, and 
this is like the isolation, the social isolation of quarantine was just rough and it is rough. It continues on as we have to, you know, clamp back down a little bit because the cases seem to just be getting higher and higher. And so the, the great thing is that we actually had an outlet like Zoom. Can you imagine trying to do this 100 years ago in the Spanish flu without something like Zoom and you're trying to figure out how to do life without actually trying to spread this? We all have our own version of what that looks like right now, right? Like we've lost something. We've all lost a little bit of something. Um, right, like for, for my family, they're right over here. We do on Sunday nights this thing called family dinner. And it's, we don't have family here in Utah outside of ourselves. And so we're inviting our family, the church, into our home. And we have some people who are very much regulars who are coming. And we miss all of them coming to our house every Sunday night. And we, uh, there was a group of guys that I met at Chick-fil-A uh, weekly just to, to chat and to talk and all these guys are more in a higher risk category. And so one of them I haven't seen face-to-face for the last seven or eight months, right? We've only talked on the phone. So each one of us have the similar stories of things like that that we've had to give up. And we, we have figured out ways to cope in the meantime, right? We're finding coping mechanisms. And so uh, just real quick, if you, are, if you are actually on our online audience and you want to put a positive coping mechanism that you've come up with into the comments or, or share a picture, that would be great. One of our, my, my family's coping mechanisms for social isolation was a COVID companion. We, we actually are one of the, I think, thousands and thousands of people that went ahead and adopted a, a pet. We got a, a, a dog, a, a lab mix, a puppy over, over coronavirus season. So if you got a COVID companion, make sure you put that picture in the comments as well if you're on Facebook, and we'd love to see it. So there's, there's things, even if you're in the audience here, just think about one thing that you've done to cope in this season. Maybe it was more times up on the trail or out going camping or, or whatever it might be. We've all come up with coping mechanisms to get through this season. But I think we're all sitting here ready to get back to life as it was, right? We're ready to get back to community because we're feeling isolated. And I, I just want to say that's a good feeling. And it's actually something that is supported biblically as well. And I just want to read to you the main passage that we have today out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, uh, we'll, we'll dive into this passage and, and dig and tear it apart, but I just want to summarize it real quick. And I've been saying this to you for weeks, but there is power in the gathering. If you want to summarize what Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 is, there is power in the gathering. And today, I'm going to walk you through three main areas. Our, our kind of the flow of the message will be this. There's power in the gathering, so there's life when we're together. There's death when we're apart. And there's meaning when we hold each other up or lift each other up. Okay, so that's where we're going to be heading today. Now, you may be asking, Derek, what are you talking about? Like, there's power in the gathering, but we can't gather. Okay, well, we'll get there. Will you just put up with me for a little bit while we, while we wait as we, as we flow into that part of the message? Um, so there is life when we're 
together. Now, what does that mean? Why is there life? Well, there's two reasons why there's life when we're gathering. One, and the first one is this, is that when we gather, the presence of God is promised. When we gather, the presence of God is promised. Now, in this passage in Hebrews, there's there's this big expose about who Jesus is throughout the whole book. He's, the author's trying to say how amazing our God is and how amazing Jesus is and how he's higher than everything else. And he says, in light of how amazing Jesus is and in light of what he did for us, how he opened the doors to God and made it so there's no other mediator between us and God, that he says that we actually, he says, let us, one, draw near to God and let us, two, Hold fast to the hope. And then three, let us not, you know, neglect meeting together. So there's three things, and they all start with us. Let us, let us, let us. Most of the time we think about church, and we think about coming to church to get something for me, right? We want to get a good message or something to lift us up individually. But the scriptures, when they talk about it, it actually means like us, like when, it's, when, when what Jesus did, he's, the, the author's saying there's something about an us that's very, very much important. And you can connect with God individually, but we're promised to connect with God corporately. And Jesus backs that up. In Matthew 18, 20, he says, wherever uh, two or three gather in my name, there I will be with them, right? So, there's, there's a couple elements to this gathering piece if, we're, if there's a few, more than one of us. And if we're gathering in his name, there's his presence. God will be there with us, okay? So there, there's life when we gather because God's presence is there and it's promised, right? And so the, the, God's presence actually brings flourishing in life. God's presence it says in, that in him is who we move and breathe and have our being. God's presence is talked about like water that's flowing into our lives. And we're like these plants or these trees. They're just soaking it up. God's presence, when it's there, actually gives us life. And we're promised it when we actually take time to seek him, not only by ourselves, but when we take time to seek him together. There's something powerful there. There's power in the gathering, right? Now, number two is this, uh, that God's people are present. Not only God's presence is there when we gather, but God's people are present when we gather. That's another reason why we're, it's alive. And you might be going, okay, obviously, this almost seems like a no-brainer, right? Obviously, there's people present when we gather. I didn't say there are people present when we gather. I say God's people are present when we gather, there's an us here. There's actually a community that takes place when we come together in the name of Jesus Christ. There, there is an us. Now, many of us have an us that's outside the church, and that's just fine. You might have a work thing, or you might take part in athletics, and you have an us there. Or you, who knows, a friend group, or you, you know, whatever. You're, you're part of a culinary crew. I've got an us uh, that is... Spartan racing. I, I've got this, this little placard or this uh, uh, plate here. And last year, in 2019, I had the, the, the privilege of actually getting to coach and be the captain for 20, 20 guys that ran over three different races for Spartan races. And I got this little, uh, this little placard here, and it has 20 
plugs in it for the 20 guys that I got to coach. And I've got their initials on the back of this plug. So this I keep in my office. It has meaning to me because there's an us in this. There's these guys that I got to do life with and we did something really hard together and we became friends in the trenches. So I don't know if, just think in your mind if there's an, an, a place where you feel very much connected outside of the church. And if you're online, again, this is a great opportunity about being in, in, in an online environment is that you can actually comment right now uh, on there and you can put a picture maybe of your us. Uh, it might be your family or it might be something else. And you can, we, can, we can all go and we can take part in that later by actually going and watching and seeing what you posted. But let me read to you out of Ephesians chapter 2 about the us that is the church, right? It says in Ephesians 2, 19 and 20, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. When the author of Hebrews says, let us, this is what he's talking about, right? There, do you realize that we are actually called citizens and we are called children? We are no longer foreigners and strangers. That, that feels like we're individuals, right? We're, we're outsiders, but we're actually part of a, a corporate community. We have a culture. You are a child of God. And if you're out there and you're you're feeling like you don't have an us, I just want to say that we claim you right now. K2, the church, <laughs> claims you as part of us. You're with us. We, we want you uh, today. So uh, the other, But the, the other part is that all the rest of the us's can be taken away. I don't know if you know this, but my Spartan us <laughs> was taken away in 2020. I got it in 2019. I did not get it in 2020 because they canceled all the races due to COVID. And that's just the, the case with anything else. If you're, if you're us as athletics, eventually you get to the point where you can't play. Or if you're us as being part of the cool kids, eventually you grow up and you tell dad jokes and you're not cool anymore. Or maybe you're us as being a parent and eventually your children grow up and they go out of the house, right? It's like your us eventually goes away. If it's your career, that eventually goes away. But I want to tell you what the us of Christ never goes away. There is not ever going to be a day where you're not a child of the Most High God. There's not ever going to be a day where he does not love you and he does not claim you as his own. You are part of an us. Your story is intertwined with the larger story of God. Like your story is being told right now and he's writing it into his greater story. Do you know why? And there's only 0.3% of the world's population that are of Jewish origin, but 20% of the Nobel Peace Prize winners are Jewish. I think it's because they actually know that they're part of a bigger story of God being written in the world. They have a cultural identity, and there's an enemy in the, in the world that wants to tell you you have no identity, you have no culture, you have no community, but I wanna say that you do have an identity, you do have a culture, and you do have a community, and it's here. You belong with us. One of the ways we, lift this, we, we live this out is that we actually gather, right? There is... There's power when we gather, and there's life when we gather, right? And our identity, part of our identity is worshiping together. 
Uh, our, our word says that, that God actually inhabits our praise. So I'm going to talk about three ways in which you can gather, even today in the midst of COVID, right? Three ways in which you can gather. But before I get there, I just want to explain the last seven months to you and, and what it's looked like to try to gather, right? The last seven months, we had to completely close down this building, and nobody could be here. Nobody could meet. And we all went online. And there was, remember, an earthquake and all sorts of crazy stuff that happened. And people flocked to the online services. I mean, we've never seen numbers in our attendance like we saw on our online viewership. It was amazing. But then that started to wane. And that happened nationwide. There was a national just kind of decrease. Because I think we, we noticed that, oh, the content's going up online. Well, I can, I can watch it later in the day. I can sleep in and I can do church in my jammies and then I can eat brunch and whatever else. And so I'm not trying to make you feel bad because our own staff did this, right? So it's like, we, we, it's, it's easy to get into this different routine. And we started doing that. And then we go, oh, well, if I can do church on Sunday at noon, why can't I do church on Tuesday at six, right? And we started just, church became super flexible. And I haven't been stalking you. We can actually track these things when we look at the data online, right? When people are viewing and what they're seeing and all these things. So we just saw this, this kind of this nat- national disengagement of church because eventually what happened was that people realized that there wasn't as much power in the watching. And here's something just really, real quick to catch. Why didn't the watching itch or scratch the itch? It's because the power in the life is not in the watching. The power in the life is in the gathering. Okay, the power in the life is not in the watching. The power in the life is in the gathering. So if there isn't an us, it loses its meaning, right? It loses its meaning. There's power in the gathering. And so I just want to say there's three ways in which you can be part of the gathering next week. And I just want to invite you to consider watching as an us next week. Uh, Those of you who are here, come back next week if you want. Uh, We'd love to have you. Uh, You can online, you can be here too uh, at our our building. You can look online, get our our location, all that stuff. But um, so the building is is one option, right? But just want to say there's a, there's an, uh, really a lift in, in some parts of being in the building, like Singing, that's a huge lift. Wasn't it awesome to be able to, those of you who are here in the room, to be able to worship God together as a body? Like there's something like God inhabits our praise. That's something that's a, a definite plus being in the building. But a minus is that there's, there's more than 100 of us in here. I don't know exactly how many. You don't, you're not going to get to know anybody, especially the fact that there's distance between the seats and all these things that are going on right now. And so I would just say, if you're not in a Life Together group, think about getting in the Life Together group. Or um, if you're just sitting here today and you want to get to know somebody, you can always just go up to somebody else, start a conversation, and maybe even go grab some lunch or grab some coffee after the service. And you can actually get to know them. So the, the benefit of the building is that it's just really awesome to be able to be together, to worship together, to hear the message live, all those things. The downside is that it's not as great on community, but you can mitigate that. The the second way that you can experience a gathering is you can do church at home. You can do church at home, and we've been talking about this a little bit, and I just want to say hi to those who are doing church at home. There's a church at home gathering right now in Wendy Lee's house. 
the vests, the vests and Nguyen and D are all there. And so I just want to say hi to all you guys. Thanks for being part of Church at Home. And the awesome part about Church at Home is that you get an amazing community aspect and feel. Uh, Kavina's over here. She's been a part of Church at Home at the Hayes House, which will actually start up next week again. And so those of you who have experienced Church at Home, we did this at our house before we came back into personal meetings. And it's awesome to get to experience life in that sort of way. I'd actually say there's some really big perks to that sort of gathering. And so that's, that's one way in which you can do church is to do it at home. And then the third one isn't in person, but I just want to say there, you can actually do online, do watch parties. There's these things called uh, Facebook groups. And in Facebook groups, you can actually start a watch party of our service. And then you can actually turn your camera on and see everybody else who's in your group doing the same watch party. So uh, I know it's different than just watching, but there's something about actually gathering with other people and gathering with the same people week in and week out and actually having community in that sort of environment. I just want to encourage you, if you're not able to come in person, at least for now, we want to encourage you to think about doing something like a watch party at your home, but invite other people to be a part of it. But here's the deal. Um, obviously, you can invite people into the building, um, you can't be invited into the church at home environment or into the watch party environment. This is such a new thing at K2 that we don't have enough environments to put you into. So if you want to do church at home or if you want to do a watch party, you actually need to be the one who creates it and invents it. And so if you've been, like John talked about the blessed series, if you've been practicing your blessed rhythms uh, and, and you've been praying for people and you've been reaching out to them, serving them, eating with them. And now it's time maybe to invite them into a service with you at your house or with you in some sort of watch party environment online. That would be an awesome next step because I hope that the, the mission of God actually can be spread through this season in the church. Like people are saying that this season of the church is actually like a whole new season the reason that Jesus came when he did was they say it's because the Roman roads were there and it actually allowed the gospel to get out. And then the, the gospel spread in whole different and new ways in the Reformation, right? Because there was a printing press. And this is, they're saying that this is kind of like that same season. There's, there's this digital revolution that's taking place and we have an ability to spread the good news digitally like those who came before us have done through the Roman roads, through the printing press, and other means of technology uh, to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ. So get out there and, and spread the mission of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of different ways. There's three specifically that I encourage you to do because there's power in the gathering, right? There is life in the gathering. But our second point for today is there's death when we are apart. There's death when we're apart, right? In wartime, the enemy realized that the best way to get information out of somebody that was captured wasn't through torture, it was actually through isolation. Solitary confinement was how they got the best information out of POWs. And that's just what has happened in this season. We have isolated, right? Um, in 2020, we have realized, if, if we've learned anything, right? COVID-19 lesson learns, we've realized we're in a war, 
in this season. Do you guys, are you guys with me? Do you feel like we're in a war? Like it's, there's a battle going on and God wants us to live with significance. God wants us to live and, and to like call out his kingdom. There's a kingdom rising here that he wants, but the enemy does not want that. And the word of God says that our battle, it isn't against flesh and it isn't against blood, right? There's a spiritual battle taking place and it, that spiritual battle happens in your mind. And there's disinformation campaigns happening all over the place. I just want to illustrate it this way. Two weeks ago, uh, the Seahawks played the Vikings. Uh, the Seahawks played the Vikings. And they went into the locker room at halftime down 13 to 0. Now, can you imagine if they had gone into the locker room down 13 to 0 and they all kind of just went off their own way? And they, they kind of went to their corners of the locker room. And one was like, well, what works for me is if I go off and meditate. And one goes off and says, I'm going to go read. And then Russell Wilson, he goes on and he goes and looks at the Twitter feed to see what other people are saying about him online. Can you imagine what it would have been like when they would have come back out onto the field? It would have been mass chaos and they would have been totally annihilated, right? But I'm, they, they actually came together. And I'm imagining Pete Carroll rallied everybody together and he gave a halftime speech. And he got his, his team all united, and I'm sure they made a few tweaks, and they went back out there, and they scored three touchdowns in two minutes, and they came back to end up winning the game, right? That's what we need, and that's why there's power in the gathering, but there is death when we're apart. God has called us to do significant things in this life and do significant things for his kingdom. Now, I want to tell you this. You can't do significant things unless you have significant encouragement. You can't do significant things unless you have significant encouragement. Now, I bet all of you are sitting there going, yeah, I'll, I'll do one of your three options. Obviously, those of you who are in the room have it the easiest because you're already here. But I just want to speak to you, those of you who are online. I imagine that not many of you will do any of the three options I mentioned of figuring out a way to gather. And that's not because you're bad, or I'm not trying to make you feel bad at all. It's because we're out of the habit, right? This scripture actually says there's power to the habit of meeting together. It says, do not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We're actually in the habit of not meeting together regularly. And that's, that's okay. That's actually nobody's fault. That happened because of a pandemic. And I know even those of us who are in the room feel like we're out of the habit because I feel like I'm out of the habit. Who's with me? Like, it's just different. Like, I, I know when we came back to doing church in, inside, I was like, I was used to a certain rhythm. Like, I could, I could actually go, like, I used to always have to, if I did a wedding that wasn't here, I'd have to like try to get a red eye and fly back so I could be back here on Sunday. And it was nice. Like I did a wedding up in the city of rocks and I just stayed overnight. I found some Wi-Fi, and then I just was able to log on and do church online. That was sweet. You know, it's awesome. But that's just not the way things are anymore now, right? And so we're back into the building. We're meeting together. And it's hard because I'm out of the habit. You're out of the habit. We're all out of the habit. And one of the reasons why we're out of the habit is because we're used to having limitless freedom. We're used to having limitless freedom, right? In this season, many of us went to working from home. Uh, and 
and, and doing all sorts of things. Like you could do, you could work from your jammies. You could do church from your jammies. You could go and you could work. Like I, I was up hiking a couple weeks ago and I heard a guy up hiking and he was on a Zoom call for work. Like he's just like up there going and he's like got the Zoom call going right as he's, I'm like, man, that's the life right there. Like we've got a lot of freedom in this season, right? And so we're out of the habit of meeting because we've got limitless freedom. Now, I want to tell you this, limitless freedom and community actually cannot coexist. Now, there's this, this pastor, uh, he's, his name is Mark Sayers, and he wrote this book called uh, Reappearing Church, and he says that significance in life actually comes through three balanced measures, and that's one is that we do need freedom, like significance, in order to feel like we're living a life that's of meaning, like you actually need freedom, we need to have mobility. We need to have the ability to, for growth. Like there's countries in this world that don't have freedom to do that. And it takes away their ability to live a significant life. We have that ability here. Now, the second one is this, it's community. We need people around us, right, in order to live a significant life. And the third one is this, we need purpose or we need meaning in order to live a significant life. We need something worthwhile to live our life for. Now, limitless freedom and community actually can't go together. Actually, limitless freedom actually undercuts community and it undercuts purpose in our life and undercuts our meaning. Uh, and there's a practical example just with Sunday morning church. Like, if you do Sunday morning church on Tuesday night at 6, like, you can do that. But if you don't tell anybody else that you're going to do that and you're going to do that every single week, nobody else can do church with you. You can't have a gathering because you're just doing church when you feel like it. Right? And, and if we all just did church when we feel like it, we actually lose out on the life that comes with church. The reason why there is no life in the watching is because there's no gathering in the watching. Right? The actual word for church, ekklesia, the Greek word for church, literally means gathering. That's what the word means. Church is not a building. Church is not a sermon. Church is not a set of songs that we worship to. Church is the gathering. It's us. It's the people. Like that is what church is. And there's death when we're apart because there's no longer the church. You can't go into the mountains and do church by yourself. Yeah, take a group of 10 people up into the mountains. You can do church then, but you can't go up into the mountains. You might go up into the mountains and experience God, but you can't go into the mountains and do church. You actually miss out on something. So what dies when we're apart? What dies when we're apart? Well, first of all, if we're apart and we don't meet with anybody, the first thing that dies is our mind. We already... The research is showing that we're hardwired to connect. Uh, in this season, more people feel isolated than ever. 51% of Americans reported feeling lonely at least one day per week. 40% are saying that they're dealing with substance abuse or mental health. Uh, there's, there's a huge spike in suicide in America. It's being called the double pandemic, right? And even before COVID happened, life expectancy has actually started to decline, not because uh, that there's not better technology to keep us alive. It's because our mental health is declining because of things like loneliness. This is the state in which we find ourselves, that if we do life apart, our mental health degrades. And if we do life apart, 
Let's say, but we do it with just other people, but they are not believers. We actually, the thing that we lose is our faith. The thing that dies is our faith if you do life with people who are not believers. Well, because this passage in Hebrews says, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Those are, those are biblical principles, right? Those are principles of faith that you can't expect people who aren't believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to spur you on to do. In fact, most of the world, if they're not putting their faith in Jesus, we're, we're just trying to do what's right for me, for myself and I, right? And so the, the, the courage of Jesus is to say, go out and actually love other people. First Timothy says, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. Sincere faith actually produces love. Jesus says that in the end, the love of most will grow cold, right? The love of most will grow cold. Do you feel how cold it's gotten in this social isolation? There's more and more bitterness and anger and resentment and people getting their hackles up on social media than ever before. And it doesn't help that it's election season, but it's just hard when we're disconnected. We, we start to lose the biblical principles and the foundations that the faith is actually called us to. That's why you need a community that's actually built on the foundation of Christ. There is death when we're apart. And the last point is this, is that there's meaning when we hold each other up. There is meaning when we hold each other up. Um, this third part of a significant life is meaning, right? It's meaning and it's purpose. It's actually having something to do. I want to share with you this passage, Proverbs 14, 4, where there are no oxen, the manger is empty, but the strength of an ox comes abundant harvest. So this passage I know is, is old. It's talking about old farm uh, methods, but it's, it's this idea that uh, if you're going to have power in your life, and remember, there is power in the gathering. If you're going to have power in your life, you're going to have to hitch yourself up to an ox or something else that's alive, right? And if you've got yourself hitched up to something that's alive, then there's going to be a mess, right? If you have no ox, your barns are going to be clean. There's not going to be any poo on the floor. But if you've got an ox in the barn, you're going to have stuff that you got to clean up. And that's kind of what it's like coming to church, to be honest. It's like you, actually, if you're going to be in community with anybody, there's going to be mess in your life. But you can't you can't go without mess if you want to actually be a part of something that's meaningful and that's life-giving and that gives you purpose in this world. I'm asking you to hitch yourself up to an ox. That means that you actually need to commit to being a part of a gathering. Commit to being part of a community. Now, I find a lot of meaning in my kids, like they give me a lot of meaning and purpose in life. There's one of them right there. <laughs> but they're a lot of work, right? Who's with me? Like kids are a lot of hard work. Gathering together isn't just an opportunity for you to come and take part in. Gathering together is a responsibility for each one of us, right? Here's your work. Here's your work. It says to encourage one another. In this passage, to spur one another on, which I really like. I went and looked that up, and it literally means to provoke somebody to love. 
spur one another on. It's like, I've, I've heard of provoking somebody to anger, but I'm not, it's like provoking them to love. Like that, and, and it even says, consider how you can do this. It means that there's, we actually have a responsibility to start thinking about other people and considering how we can do something meaningful in their life. That's a responsibility that we have, each one of us have, if we're going to call ourselves part of the us that is in Jesus Christ. There's power in the gathering and there's meaning when we actually go to hold each other up. Because let me just read this. I'm out of time. It says this in Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we confess. For he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This passage is the culmination of this whole book. It says, hey, if you want to be part of the Jesus life, like he doesn't just call us to a life of coping like, that's all right. We've all had to figure out ways to cope in this season. He's actually called us to live out a life of flourishing. He wants us to live a life that's full. He wants us to live a life that has meaning and purpose and value to others. That's what he's called us to. He's called us to a life that actually brings heaven down to earth. Like, that's the sort of life. He wants you to be a person that is full of blessing to the people around them. That's what God wants for your life. He wants other people to know about this hope, about the fact that we can actually, we can actually draw near to God now is what this says. There's, there's actually access to the Father. And when we have access to the Father, we actually have life through the Spirit. Like these are things that we have now because of Jesus Christ. And he wants us to be part of inviting others into that. And so if you're out there today and you, you haven't accepted Jesus, I just want to say, like, he's ready for you. Like, Put a comment out there onto the chat or onto the Facebook. Or if you're in here in the building, grab me or one of the other staff, somebody up from on stage. We want to chat with you. Like, we want you to know Jesus. But for the rest of you, like, there, there is actually a purpose for you in the gathering. Like, you have a job. You have a role. You might be the guy, the Pete Carroll, that's actually there to rally the troops for the day. It may not be the sermon that's the most important thing. It might be the conversation that happens in the lobby on the way out or the, the conversation that happens in the chat uh, on the Facebook. You know, you, you are here to bless somebody else. Don't discount your role in the gathering. God's got a purpose for you. Now, I've got to close out. So if we want to just invite the band up today. I just want to summarize, uh, if you want to be part of us on Sunday morning and gather next week, do it either through coming here to the building, you can do it through gathering a church at home experience. Like, I want 
to be so busy trying to help you guys figure out how to do church at home or to do watch parties online that like I can't take a lunch this week. And so if you want to get in touch with me, you can also send me a message at dnelson at k2. That's, that's a joke. It's dmurphy at k2thechurch.com. Um, and we would love, Rachel, Kip, my team, we'd love to get in touch with you and help you get a gathering set up. And the other piece is that you can ask any church, any pastor in the valley, doing church one hour a week is not enough. You need a community around you. You need to be a part of a one another. Like it's not just giving to them, it's them giving to you. And I, I just want to say, if you're not part of a life together group, there are a lot of options for you to get involved. In fact, our college group this week is going out to Corn Bellies on Thursday night. Uh, so if you want to go to the Corn Maze, that'll be awesome. Something that they're doing. We've got a new young couples group in Sandy. We've got an, uh, a, a group called Alpha that's going to be an 11-week commitment that's for people who are just curious about faith, maybe haven't made the step of following Jesus yet. Um, we've got an online discipleship group. We've got options for you, whether you're willing to meet in person or not. Just don't use an excuse not to gather. Like God's got so much for us in the gathering. There is power in the gathering. Let's pray. God, we come to you now grateful for your love. Lord, grateful for the purpose in which you've given us. Lord, you called us to live out your kingdom here. Lord, you, you want the kingdom of heaven to be on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, and so I just pray for that today. Lord, one way in which that happens, the primary way in which that happens is through your church, which I just want to say is in a, is in a building, Lord. Stop that lie from the enemy. That, that, is, that is the devil putting that in our head. The, the church is the gathering. It's the people. And there's power in the gathering. There's life in the gathering. There's meaning in the gathering. And there's death when we isolate, when we, when we stay apart from each other. So God, even in this season of COVID, separation and quarantine, I pray that you would give us dreams, ideas, help us to consider how we can love each other and spur each other on. Lord, we just thank you for everything you've blessed us with. And we pray this in your name. Amen.